Dave, I believe that was ho, 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 blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. <laughs> well, thanks the rest of the band. <laughs> Tim, thanks for sharing with us. Uh, thanks for being here today. Uh, it's an unusual day. It's an unusual season. Who ever thought we would have a, a year like this? Uh, but here we are, New Year's coming. As a matter of fact, this is the week of Christmas. If you didn't know that, just look at Dave's shirt. You can tell this, <laughs> this is the week of Christmas. Tomorrow is the shortest uh, day of the year. Maybe that's today. Tomorrow, at least the days start getting longer. Uh, good things are coming. And uh, this is a good day. This is a great day. Let's celebrate the day we have, okay? I know a lot of things have been canceled. It's been a crazy season. Many things have been canceled because of this coronavirus, but we started a series a couple of weeks ago saying that Christmas isn't canceled. That's one thing that's not canceled, and we've been looking at uh, Scripture at some attempts that have been made to cancel Christmas, or to at least cancel what came about because of Christmas. So today we're going to continue that. The first week, if you recall, uh, we had this vivid picture in Revelation 12 about Satan who was poised at the birth of Christ to devour that child the moment that he was born and cancel Christmas. But Christmas couldn't be canceled because Jesus can't be canceled. God's purposes, God's process cannot be stopped. Christmas uh, was not canceled. Then last week we looked at... Uh, uh, the decree from Caesar Augustus that required all of the people to go back to their hometowns to register for a, uh, a census process for tax purposes. No, that would be no fun anyway. But for someone named Mary and a nine, uh, someone named Joseph and a nine-month-old, nine-month pregnant, uh, not nine-month-old, but nine-month pregnant, Mary. That trip would not be fun, so they weren't having any joy on that trip, but circumstances couldn't cancel their joy uh, because their joy wasn't dependent on circumstances. And last week we had this great definition of joy, that uh, joy is that settled assurance that God is in control of my life. It's already decided. It's, it's settled in my life, God is in control, and that settled assurance brings joy. And today, uh, we're going to begin our third message, and Christmas can't be canceled. And I'd like to begin by telling you a little uh, experience that Joy and I had just 14, uh, 13 or 14 months ago. It was back in the day when there was something called cruising. Uh, you've not probably not experienced much of that because that's, that was the old, the old times. We don't do that anymore. Maybe we never will again. But we had this, this uh, great trip lined up, and one of, the, one of the ports was going to be in a collection of uh, Portuguese islands called the Azores. Maybe some of you have been there. But beautiful islands. The, the nature was pristine, pretty much undisturbed. Hot uh, waterfalls, vistas like, uh, you know, beyond description, lagoons. It was just a beautiful, beautiful place. And that was the one we were looking forward to. The morning that we were going to dock at the Azores, we went up on the deck to watch the docking process. Beautiful blue sky, perfect for exploring the island. A little windy, but we were able to just kind of watch the island as you get close. And if you've been on those cruises, you kind of see the docking process in the islands. And it was just so good. 
Uh, we saw the, the, the village. We saw the city gates, the old city gates, and it was just, just really special. I even saw some of the markets. One villager was holding up a Diet Pepsi, and I think he was saying, Jeff, this one's all yours. Come and get it. And we just couldn't wait to get on land. But Joy said, honey, we're not pointed to the dock. And I said, honey, we're not slowing down. We were going right on by. And then the captain got on the intercom, and, and I was sure he was going to say, because of the weather, the weather, the wind, whatever, we were going to circle around to come back another way. But instead, he said, folks, I've got some bad news. Because of the weather, our stop at the Azores has been canceled. And I thought, canceled? Safety? What kind of an excuse is safety? <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, let, let me move from that to say for centuries. There was a lot of excitement, a lot of expectation, a lot of hope over a promised Messiah that was to come into the world. Isaiah talked about that, and we read that last week from Isaiah 9, that this one had all these wonderful names, wonderful counselor, mighty God, the Prince of Peace. Is this one really going to come? Is this Prince of Peace really going to show? Or is that promise? Is that going to be canceled? Well, today I want to remind you that Christmas isn't canceled by assuring you that peace isn't canceled. And as you read through the New Testament, you see a lot of Paul's writings where he begins grace and peace to you. He does that in uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians. He begins his uh, writing to Galatians that way, Ephesians that way, Philippians that way. In Colossians, he says it a little bit differently in the third chapter, verse 15. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So it's clear that peace isn't canceled. God wants us to live in peace. Now, if joy is that settled assurance that God is in control of my life, then peace is that steady expression of joy in my life. It's that, that peace, is that, that outward expression of the joy that's on the inside. It's what others can see in my life. They can see my joy by the peace in which I live. Jesus says it this way in John 14, verse 27. He tells his disciples this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Since I know that God has this, and that's what peace is, God's got this then I'm not going to be afraid, I'm not going to live in fear, I'm not going to be troubled by it, I'm going to choose to live in peace. Now the devil wants to cancel your peace. He's been trying to do that from the beginning, and he tried to do that as we're going to see in Matthew 2 in the Christmas story. He's going to try to take away and cancel peace. Let's take a look at Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12 as we read as Matthew continues the Christmas story from a chapter 1. Chapter 2, verse 1 begins this way. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the chiefs, priests, 
uh, and teachers of the law. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem and Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people from Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them till it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, you've seen the Christmas plays and the dramas, maybe been in them as kids. And you know, we have the typical primetime players. We have Mary, and we have Joseph, and we have the baby Jesus, and there may be some shepherds scattered around, and a choir of angels. But at some time, probably in most all of those plays, you get these three royal fellows walking in singing, We Three Kings. They make an appearance. Now, we don't know, we're not told in Scripture when these magi make their appearance, but it's probably not in those first few weeks or maybe even months of Jesus' life. But still, they're a part of the Christmas story, and it's a huge part they play. Um, and it, 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 it's critical as we look at this piece isn't canceled part of the Christmas story. In that Christmas story, we read from Matthew 2, but it's verse 3 in particular that we want to look at, and it says this, When King Herod heard this, about this child being born, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When those magi showed up and started asking questions about where's this one who was born, where's this, this uh, baby, this king who was promised, Herod's peace was canceled. Now, why would that have been? Why, would it, why was his peace canceled? Well, I think we'll see some things in his life that set in motion three mindsets that can lead to peace being canceled. And if we're not careful, we can adopt some one or, or all three of those mindsets as well. The first is insecurity. Herod was an insecure ruler. Now, there are four different Herods mentioned, mentioned in Scripture. This guy would be known as Herod the great, the king of the Jewish people, although he himself was only partly Jewish. His father was an Edomite, meaning he was from the line of Esau and not Jacob. So the, the Jewish people actually saw Herod as an illegitimate ruler, but the Romans placed him on the throne, his family on that throne. And so he was kind of between the two. Herod was trying to appease the Romans. He was trying to appease his subjects. And he was caught in this this tug of war, trying to garner goodwill and foster peace uh, and having a difficult time, and it led to insecurity. He did some fabulous things. Uh, he, he did lower taxes. He had some uh, uh, policies that would uh, promote economic prosperity. Uh, he, he had uh, 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 some peace, I mean, a, a large amount of peace throughout the land, so that was calm. But with all of that, that struggle between his people, the Jews, and the Romans that were over him, he was insecure. As a matter of fact, he was so insecure that uh, 
He had his brother-in-law killed because he thought he might be a rival for the throne. He had him killed, drowned in the palace swimming pool. He had 46 members of the Sanhedrin killed. He had his mother-in-law killed. He had his wife killed. I'm not going to say anything more about uh, any of that. He had two of his sons killed. And Caesar Augustus, from a remote position, looked at all of that. And he said, it is better to be one of Herod's pigs than it is to be his son. And I think Steve Harley would like this because I think if Herod saw that pig as a rival to his throne, he would have the pig killed and then he would celebrate with a bacon feast. But they were Jewish people, so it wouldn't be much of a feast. Now that's a Harleyism. Steve would probably like that one. That's his style, not so much mine. But the wise men come and they say, where's the king of the Jews? Where's this one who was born? And here's Herod. Here's Herod, insecure, already killed family members because of uh, threats to the throne, thought, thought they might take his position. And an insecure person is always looking for affirmation from the outside. They're always thinking, I don't measure up, or they're not going to like me if they really know me. That insecure person is thinking, I, I just... Uh, I'm not going to be accepted. They're not going to like me. I'm nervous. And that can cancel your peace. Believe me, that can cancel your peace. You may believe that God's in control. You may have an element of joy in your life. But if you're not secure in who you are, and especially not secure in who Jesus is, uh, there's going to be a, a robbing of peace. And you'll, what you will be left with is anxiety and fear. So here these magi, these wise men showing up, and they're asking the king, where is this new king born? And his peace is gone. But another mindset that sets us up to have our peace canceled is narcissism. Narcissism is that mental condition where someone has a sense of their own importance, that exaggerated, inflated sense of their own importance. They need attention, they need uh, admiration, and you may be thinking, well, how can Herod be a narcissist and, and, and also be insecure? Is, is that even possible? Well, absolutely it's possible. As a matter of fact, most narcissists are insecure, and that's why they act the way they do, to convince you how important they are. And in the process, they're trying to convince themselves that they are as well. And narcissists are very difficult to relate to or to relate with. Uh, you may have heard about the, the lady who had quite a bit of money. She married a guy who didn't. And she was constantly reminding him that she's the one who brought the money into the marriage. And when they bought all this new furniture, she said, Now, George, you know, it's, if it wasn't for my money, we wouldn't have this furniture. And, and uh, they went on vacation in Hawaii, had a really nice trip. And she said, Now, George, you know, if it wasn't for my money, we wouldn't be vacationing here. And, and he didn't say a word. And they bought a new house when they got back home, walking through it. And she says, no, George, you know, if, if it wasn't for my money, we wouldn't be here. And he just couldn't take it anymore. And he said, finally, honey, I, hate, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but you need to know, if it wasn't for your money, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> now, if you see Steve, you tell him, that's the way you tell a story, okay? That's, that's the way you make it happen. So, but, but Herod, Herod was tough to relate to. He thought he was so important. He thought it all came through him. As a matter of fact, he did a tremendous expansion on the temple. He, he built it larger, a, a big temple complex. He named it uh, Herod's Temple. He built a 
a huge palace on a man-made mountain and called it the Herodium. Can you see? Can you see his ego in all of that? And can't you understand why when the wise men came asking this insecure, narcissistic man, where is this king that he would feel uneasy? He would feel jealous and his peace was canceled. They came and said, we want to see his star that rose in the east. Rather than seeing and worshiping the king right in front of him, they wanted to worship, worship this one who was prophesied. And so it led to his peace being canceled. The third mindset that leads to peace being canceled is jealousy. And that can be called or phrased resentment against a rival. And that sounds a lot like Herod, doesn't it? I mean, after all, he had some of his family killed, Sanhedrin slaughtered. Uh, let's face it, an insecure, jealous, uh, an insecure narcissist is going to be jealous. And they're going to be very, very difficult to find peace in their life. So when Herod got word that this child was born, he gathered the people together, gathered the wise men together to find out exactly what was going on. He wanted to know all about this Messiah himself. After all, if it's going to be a threat to his throne, he needed information. And so in verses 7 and 8, uh, we find of that chapter, we, we've looked at them previously, then Herod called the Magi secretly, and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. But we all know, and I believe they probably suspected themselves, he had no intention of worshiping him. His jealousy caused him to be disturbed. Some translations say troubled, and his peace was canceled. And when he was disturbed, when his peace was canceled, two things happened, two horrible things. Others had their peace canceled as well. Matthew's gospel said, when King Herod heard this, this is in uh, verse 3, when uh, King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, when someone as powerful as the king is disturbed, there is a far and wide disturbance. It, 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 it moves far beyond the king or even the palace. Now, do you realize that when your peace is disturbed, when you are disturbed, you're also bringing around the potential for the people close to you to have their peace canceled? Running around disturbed uh, is felt by others. That fallout is felt by others. And whatever form that that might take uh, in your life when you're disturbed, whether it, it takes the form of gossip or rage, maybe the outlet for, for that uh, is, uh, is anger or constant stress, whatever it is, it's felt by the people that you're closest to. Now, you're not a king, and your disturbance isn't going to affect the whole kingdom, but believe me, when you're disturbed... It's felt by the people that you love the most. So Herod called all of these disturbed people into a meeting to find out exactly, exactly where did this happen that this star uh, came, exactly where and exactly when was this little guy going to be born. And that would lead to the second terrible thing for which Herod is most well known, and that's the murder of children. In church history, it's called the slaughter of the innocents. And we read about that in uh, verses 16 
through 18, after the, in a dream, the Magi had been told, don't go back to Herod, go back, finish your journey around him, go another way, don't go back to Herod. So in verse 16, we read this. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in, in, in Bethlehem and in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel, weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Now, I don't know how large Bethlehem was. Bible scholars suggest that maybe a thousand people lived there. And children in this range, boys in this range from birth up to two years, there may have been 30 or 40, somewhere in there. But it wasn't just Bethlehem, it was the whole vicinity. So you could probably double that. But in all likelihood, we're talking about less than a hundred children, and maybe because the time has been so long ago, or maybe because our minds are just so numbed by the millions of abortions that have taken place in our land, that that number doesn't really seem to stagger us. But you just think about these moms and dads, how they felt when their children were taken, and right before their very eyes, they were gone they were, they were taken uh, by this uh, cruel man that was insecure, narcissistic, and jealous. And he allowed his peace to be canceled. And it flowed out in that direction. So what's the antidote for us? What's the remedy for our insecurity and narcissism and jealousy? What, uh, what is it that will allow us to have peace because we're still dealing with tough times? We're still dealing with people and with circumstances that want to take our joy away and want to rob us of our peace. So how can we have it? How can we have peace with God? And how can we have the peace of God? The answer is simple. We've already read it twice. In Matthew 2, we've read six words. We have come to worship Him. That's the answer. We worship Him. You want peace in your life? You, you want your joy to be that steady assurance that God is in control? You want to know how to get there? Worship Him. Worship the child of Bethlehem. Worship Jesus. When you worship Him, insecurities, your insecurities give way to His sufficiency. When you worship Him, you decrease and He increases. When you worship Jesus, your spirit of distrust moves to a heart of surrender. And we know it's been a difficult year. But in the midst of disturbance, as in Herod was disturbed, in the midst of our disturbance, we can still have peace. Jesus promises this, one final verse. John 16, verse 33, we find these words. But I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, I'm not into bumper sticker theology. You see all kinds of things on bumper stickers. 
But I've seen one that really rings true. It's very simple, very, very easy. No Jesus, no peace. Without Jesus, there can be no peace. It will be canceled. But if you know Jesus, K-N-O-W, if you know Jesus, if you worship Him, if you truly know Him, then you know, K-N-O-W, you know peace. Will you pray with me? God, thank you that we can share in the peace that passes all understanding. Thank you that we have peace that the world can't give that politicians can't provide. Lord, thank you for the peace that comes by knowing that you're in control. And may others see that lived by expression in our life, that our feet are on the immovable rock of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for that invitation that we can get to that place of peace. And Father, we just pray now that if there are those here that have not yet claimed that peace, are letting circumstances rob their joy, that you might draw them to you and embrace them with your arms of love. Give them the peace that only comes by surrender to Christ. And we pray that you would lead us in that direction as we celebrate the birth, as we celebrate the one who gives peace. May you be praised. God, we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. And again this morning, if you have a decision that needs to be made, uh, just invite you to come if you want to talk, if you want prayer. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be over here on your left this morning. Uh, but if you want to respond and, and talk and share, ask about that next step in your journey of faith, uh, just, just let us know. And uh, we'll, we'll help you in any way we can. Will you stand with us, please?